want to grow as a grower? Are you tired of being put to sleep by your educational growcasts? Are you tired of hearing about products you don't fucking want and can't afford? Are you tired of being told how you should grow? Hi, I'm Johnny Apple, and joining me is everyone's favorite amphibian, the Reverend Pirate Frog. Join us as we sift through the bullshit on the internet and try to get better as growers. This is your average grow. Hey, dude. Oh, uh, hey, man. Wait, how's it? I'm can so I actually, fucking lost. Can I actually talk now? Because yeah. we're not going to get shushed or anything because he's there. Yeah. No, he's, yeah, he's not here. To talk. Unbelievable. <laughs> We um, are yeah. frogless for the first time ever the, here at the Yang. freedom. Woo. The freedom <laughs> we have. I feel lost though. I didn't know how to start it because normally it's like, hello and welcome, everybody. Yeah. I hate yeah. my life, but I love my friends. And here I am. Now he's excited. It's all yeah. droopy in the beginning, like he's all mopey and a hey, welcome, everybody. <laughs> And then he starts talking to Stoney and howling, and he's all happy. And then he introduces me because he's my bestest friend. <laughs> he's like, I love the apple. But he can't show up on time, even though he works for himself. We'll well, you, we'll move you know, on. Well, you know, when the cat's away, the mice will play. So mm-hmm. we'll move on right without him. He's with us in some sort of spirit, and he's going to listen to this. And this is forever carved into uh, into the into the log. So he's going to have to listen to this. We should make him edit it, actually, because then we could really say <laughs> everything. Remember when he did that to you, Johnny? So, uh-huh. yeah. yeah, that's great. Maybe we just have him do the editing, and we can say all sorts of things. So if you're listening to this now, just wait, Rav. Just wait, buddy. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. So special <laughs> guests with us uh, joining in. And, you know, it's actually it's it's always fun to have someone on on the circle. But you know, even without Rev, it definitely makes our spirits a little bit brighter. So Strong Island Grower, welcome to the circle. Thanks for joining us again. Thanks, guys. Yeah, super happy to be here. Yeah, and once you know you, you get on that that first podcast, next thing you know, you, then you're stuck with us, and and of course, uh, you know that that other part of the us is is the infamous Howling uh, with me uh, and all of us tonight. So Howler, welcome, thanks, buddy, for joining. Thanks, glad to be here. Yeah, so we're in, you know I know you had a, a great show uh, sitting down with uh, Johnny and Rev, and those guys can take you in, in, into different spaces. But uh, we're glad to have you on, man. So <laughs> what's going on in the uh, garden this week? Oh, boy. Um, This week's pretty interesting. So uh, I took the leap into photo periods. Um, Yeah, yeah, super excited about that. Ah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I enjoy the auto flowers, man, a lot, you know, and uh, especially when I was out in the field working. One of the reasons I kind of went with auto flowers was just that kind of simplicity a little bit of like, say, light cycles and a little bit more kind of set it and forget it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but now uh, with where I am in my life, um, I kind of have a little bit more time. So, uh, you know, being able to dabble with the light settings and all the different processes that go into uh, bringing a photo period from seed to harvest, um, you know, I'm really looking forward to it, you know, and kind of, I think that's where I'll kind of hone my chops more with the growing of cannabis, you know? So, yeah, you super like, excited about like it. Learning, uh, 
do you feel like you're learning a whole new um like a whole new set of skills going into photo periods is it that sort of new excitement that you get like growing well, in yeah. a whole new plant of sorts mm-hmm. yeah 100 you know just cannabis yeah. in general and indoor growing you know like you probably heard on the you know the last podcast you know i've been gardening for a, a pretty long time but um you know indoor gardening is a completely different animal um mm-hmm. You know, I, I have nickel Rick. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> that was my. I forgot to shut my phone off. I apologize. Um, it's your average. What was that? Awesome. Pickle Rick. That's actually that that's heard? actually my uh, my when I get a text message. I told my wife to grab me a drink. Um, Perfect. So, <laughs> or ask my wife, I should say. Um, Perfect. But yeah, you know, indoor gardening is is a completely different animal. You know, it's it's and so, you know, making that kind of jump from auto flowers to photo periods is just another avenue and a little bit deeper hole to jump down. I think you know, and I'm really, uh, really looking forward to it. And um, yeah, I, I I'm no, go ahead. Sorry, that, I'm sitting on that cusp myself. I've I've been kind of threatening and talking about doing it now for. Um, several months and I've got a, a nice little bank uh, sitting with me, some big green guy it got me started a long time ago, just kind of poking the, poking the bear on, Hey, when you want to do photos, you know, let me know. Um, Cause on the, the tester team, there's always the availability for them. And I've always been kind of skittish about them because it's, it, again, it's a learning curve. It feels like even though as much as I now have gained some level of confidence in growing on a flowers, it's feels like a whole nother beast to, to learn even with, even though it's it's like oh yeah it's a natural it's following the similar methods and techniques I think that there's just much more of a curve to it the length of time to grow to it so what are some what's the biggest challenge you see like just starting to think about photo period what makes you the most anxious about growing them well w- the most anxious so you know my my grow right now is super simplistic you know I um I got into this to to kind of get medicine in jars for my wife. And I just dove in real quick. What's the fastest route I could take to get this done. Um, And, you know, at times it's kind of like being able to keep those jars full in a timeline. One of the things that attracted me to auto flowers as well. So I think with the photo periods, you know, I spoke with Johnny and Rev the other night about vegging a little bit. Like, how long should I veg for? Because I have to think of a timeline. Is this going to finish mm-hmm. in time for me to have medicine in the jars for my wife? So that's a little bit of a nerve-wracking aspect about it for me. Um, two, just, you know, my grow is not dialed in. You know, Stoney, you, you heard the other night on cultivation. You know, I had a little bit of issues with I'm getting seeds here and there and what what could be stressing out my grow to kind of cause these things. And um, I mean, I can improve my situation on every level from lighting to uh, the airflow to, um, you know, I grow in my basement. So my lung room is constantly changing and breathing, being able to rope that in and dial that in, you know? Uh, so, so yeah, that's, you know, some of the things that I kind of think about a lot as um, I'm kind of heading down this road with a photo period. Um, if, is it going to be as forgiving or, or as tolerant say as an auto flower? 
uh, you know, and things are going to take a little bit longer. So they have a little bit more time to say, get stressed out. You know, those are some things that, you know, kind of cross my mind as I jump down that hole. And do, and yeah. do you have a, do you have a plan yet for uh, like with autos, you're forced into, in, into the routine. Like you're just on the ride with them, but like photos, you get to kind of drive, drive the train a little bit and, and tell them when they're going to go faster and veg, when they're going to slow it up. Like what's your plan? Do you, do you have a plan yet of how long you want to want the veg and flower cycles to be? And so, so for this one, because I'm growing in my smaller tent, so I have a, a, a three foot by three foot by 72 tent that right now I have dedicated all alabrije, all auto flowers, my can of bonsais in there, everything. So, um, and I'm sure you guys see this on Instagram because I post nonstop, but, um, yeah. So I had that full alabrije tent. Um, and then I have the smaller, it's a 32 inch by 32 inch by only 64 inch. So yeah, it's a shallow tent howling, you know? So, um, with the light fixture and everything, and that's grown in the earth box too. So now with the casters on there in the earth box, that's another, say, around you, 13 yeah. inches high. You don't have much so room I, there. At all, <laughs> no. at all. So that's why I was talking with Johnny and them the other night. You know, I'm probably only looking maybe like a three-week veg, you know, okay. about that and a lot of LST to try to keep that plant real stout you know real low kind of bushy so. so now what are you doing for environment for your autos because um a lot of your veg time is going to decide with a photo period on your environmentals if your environmentals are crushed you'll you could veg for three weeks and flip if you're uh slowing things down if you're um your humidity, your VPD is off with a photo. It's going to slow it down. So it might take you three weeks just to get this spindly little plant out of it. You know what I mean? Because I'll spend That's... three weeks in my propagation tent with a photo period just because I know I got the time and I can wean them out that that sort of way. Uh, but I don't have the environmentals in that my prop tent. So what's your plan there? What, do you, what are you thinking about doing? So where I grow in my basement, like right now, I'm looking at my furnace and my HVAC system right here. So my basement stays, you know, it doesn't swing terrible. Yeah. You know, one being in a basement, you're subterranean, you know, so you, you, you already eliminate some of the shifts there a little bit. You stay a little more consistent. And then on top of that, you know, my duct works down here. The return for my HVA system is down here. So, you know, if I'm keeping my house, you know, 72, yeah. my downstairs pretty much stays 72. And then basically what is, you know, air conditioning? It is a giant dehumidifier. That's the premise mm -hmm. of HVAC. So, you know, my if anything that I really struggle with in my lung room in, in this area is my humidity levels being too low. Yeah. So, you know, I do things to kind of um, uh, increase the humidity a little bit in there, um, you know, humidifiers, dehumidifiers in the air, in the space. But that's really about it. You know, um, so you just leave it at the mercy of your grow light and your fans. Yeah. You know, and I do get that shift, you know, I do get a shift from, you know, my with my light off, you know, cycle and my light on cycle. With the humid, um, the humidistat that I have in my tent, you know, I can kind of see my highs and my lows, and I do get a little bit of a shift, you know, and it's a little, 
you know, nerve wracking at times, you know. Now, when you um, say humidistat, is that like a HVAC and, tool or is that? Well, uh, and, and it's, yeah, an humidistat is like, a, 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 like that? yeah, and it's not oh, really, a, and it's the incorrect terminology or nomenclature. Um, really, it's not a humidistat. It's just uh, like a hygrometer. You know, uh, I'm just so used to saying humidistat for humidifiers <laughs> on systems that it just kind of. Well, I didn't know if you out. were using a humidistat to control your humidifier and your dehumidifier at the same time. Not as one of those yet. Type devices. Okay. Not yet. Christmas is around the corner. These are <laughs> gifts that um, you know, where, where we're going. I want to definitely everything needs. You know to be what's awesome upgraded. is is not only because you grow for your wife. Not only are they gifts for you, they're gifts yes. for her. <laughs> well that's played. it. Well, you know, think of how much better the, the I, herb could be, babe. Well, that's it. It's so just much better if I just had a humidistat to control these humidifier and dehumidifier. <laughs> exactly. Right on. So, uh, so what type of fan do you use then? Are you, are you automatic or are you manual operating your fans? So I keep one consistent all time in both tents. It's, uh, I just have little small four inch fans in there um hurricanes like yeah like little hurricanes exactly and and i have clipped on i keep one consistent and then one with my light timer so and those basically blow on my drivers so as soon as the lights come on i'm taking heat off those drivers and helping to kind of disperse that heat throughout the tent you know, so it's not building up in the upper levels or anything like that. Pushing um, it down. But that's where I also see those temperature shifts, mm -hmm. too, though, because that fan comes on and starts to circulate that heat throughout the tent. Yeah, now, yeah. maybe I'm wrong here, but, you know, I also think of it, it's a plant, okay? These things can take a lot. And, you know, everyone's always said, like, it's like growing a tomato. Well, a tomato, to me, likes a 20-degree shift. You know, it likes that 80 degree day and 60 degree night, you mm -hmm. know, these things thrive in those kinds of things. So, you know, I'm hoping, you know, until I kind of dial things in a little better and upgrade the grow a little bit, um, you know, that we'll kind of see how things work out and hopefully the plants react, you know, okay to that kind of temperature shift. Yeah, it's not right. quite that drastic in my basement, of course, but. Well, you'll feel even you know when you talk about your lung room so to, to clarify you've got your your tents downstairs in the in the basement yeah. so that basement acts as your quote unquote that lung room right so it's breathing area and so if, if people are hearing that for the first time so that's that's the air going in and out that it's, it's so when you've got that pretty well controlled and dialed in like here uh here at my house I, it, it, there's a built-in dehumidifier into the hvac system so it's always running at about 60% at all times. So I've got a great fortune within that. Like you as well, I often find myself adding, I added more humidity into it early on so that I could increase that up to keep my VPD where it needed to. Then now once it, it, it hit this sort of like tipping point, and this is where I've seen this big like shift now going from a five by nine down to my five by five, is that the volume of plants that's in that space, right? The amount of air that's in that space, they hit this like the the tipping point of transpiration where my my humidifier no longer needed to kick on, right? Because it's got an automatic, um, it, it, it automatically will kick on. I also keep my dehumidifier in there now because it hit that spot where the humidity was just going through the roof, and I realized when you just have a certain amount of foliage in in there, it's breathing. You've got the, the lights are coming down on it for the synthesis is happening. So it, it also makes me think about that temperature shift. You know, when you see that early on, 
that's the those those plants are just holding like solar rays so the more green solar flat panels you have sitting in your tent the more heat that that's going to hold on to in that room so then they started to transpire right well normally i keep my dehumidifier which is it's maybe like a two and a half foot tall small full room dehumidifier that i run 70 quart or something it's the it's got the one like small tank on the back but it has the hose attachment and that's the key when you do the research on this anyone listening looking for dehumidifier you have to find one and you have to do a little bit of digging to make sure that you can run a drain hose out of the back of it they'll almost all have a little port that you can pop into and you get some of the black hosing that's for like fishing or or not for fishing but for like fish tanks and whatever um or whatever you need to and then you can three quarter pvc yeah because nothing like you'll run through one of those tanks and 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 uh like in my room i'd have to do it two or three times even at that size and this is a good size on wheels kind of dehumidifier right well but also that dehumidifier kicks out heat so now i've i've got a giant 420 sitting above right i've got this dehumidifier sitting in there and I've got all these plants holding on to that solar ray. And now I have like half the cubic feet of air in this tent that I was used to. So I'm challenged. I'm like squeezed into it. And I think that, that when we talk about how much just pressure in there, like I'm pulling out almost a gallon of water from my dehumidifier on a daily basis, which a grosses me the fuck out because it's just plant sweat. You know, it's like hot air. I just think about like, you know, I think about like, you know, like breath. Yeah, it's like it's like like hot plant breath. Like I just think about not astronauts run through like, the dehumidifier. Yeah, dude. Yeah, no, like I, I just think about astronauts like up in space, it's like zero you know, water. It's basically grasping, boiling it. I mean, it's just, it, but still. So number one, we're, <laughs> I'm fucking grossed out about that. But but number two, I'm just sitting there looking at it like, man, that is like think about that was a potion a day ago, and this plant ran through that much and put it into this smallest space. So now that I've got these four plants and one tiny one down in the corner, it is completely filled this tent up now. And there's no room to breathe for these, these plants in there and they're struggling and they're stressed on it. And just trying to find the balance. Like you said, with the airflow, I've got my, uh, the suction fan. I've got a six inch fan in this five by five drawing heat from the top, trying to pull it off from the the top of my light. I have a, a, 15 inch hurricane fan up in the top corner perched just blowing across the light you know just oscillating straight at the top i have the an ac infinity about three quarters of the way down blowing the opposite direction towards the fan to try and create some sort of a vortex in there to move air in through it Mm. And then I've got a six inch um, full on, just like constant running airflow um, at the bottom inside the plants to try and keep the airflow going up through a column. And I'm still trying to find balance, man. Still trying to find balance in this. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. Yeah, it's real tough. Real tough. Now, and that's now that's in your lung room or that's everything. All of that is inside your tent. All, All that's inside my tent. Yeah. And what I mean, what does your lung room do? Because one of the things we one of the things we worry about in HVAC is infiltration. Right. So, you know, sometimes when you're creating a negative within a space, Mm -hmm. you're gonna draw from a positive. Right. Positive high, you know, a higher pressure Mm -hmm. wants to go to a negative. So, Mm -hmm. like, you know, inside my house, all right, I'll tell you a funny story. Me and my wife come home the other night and I go, Why does the fucking house reek? I go. 
did I leave jars open downstairs? Mm-hmm. Like what she's like, well, your tents. I go, nah, those plants are too small. They're not going to smell. Well, because I had the kids left the bathroom fan on and I have the fans on for my tents. It drew such a negative in my house that any kind of air leak my house had, it drew the smell from those giant plants in my garden into my yeah. house. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Makes so sense. the same thing can happen to your, to your tent. Yeah. You know, if you're creating a, a real, like a really high negative pressure, you could be drawing a lot of stuff from the outside. I think yeah. that's what I do in my tents a little bit. And that's why I get those chefs, yeah. you know, in my time, you know. Yeah, I've got that floor. There's like the floor vents around that AC infinity. Yeah. And I think that was on too, because, it, you know, your coldest air is going to be down by the floor, especially yeah. around that because it's a concrete floor because I'm subterranean too. So I keep those in and, and, you know, and I, I know they sell like those side bracing for a lot of these. I, I don't really have any suction because that's, to me, that's the importance of balancing. So you mentioned, you know, you're, you're, you've got some history in, in the, in the field of HVAC and, and yes. as a chef, you know, I, I opened a few restaurants and had to understand the basics of balancing in a kitchen. Right. So, and when we talk about this term balancing, like the example is in a, in a kitchen, if you balance the things wrong, you're going to have smoke pouring into a dining room. Like if you open the front door and a, and a, and a restaurant's properly balanced, anything, yeah, there's a lot of that that has to happen. And so people, you know, like my cooks would always like get hot and they would try and open the back door and I'd hear me come flying back like, guys, no, 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 please don't open the back door. It just makes it worse. Like it's not what you, it's not helping. Well, the air is flowing. Well, yes, but it doesn't do it. So I keep a lot of that in mind. And I always talk about these kinds of methods and techniques, you know, when we think about uh, balancing something like that, and it maybe doesn't oftentimes get sort of, you know, dialed in like that. And, and I know that is one of the areas that um, it's just a big challenge when you have a smaller kind of volume area and growing these things. And I know you, you don't know, see any sucking in of your tents, even with the lights off. On mine? Do you not kick your exhaust fan up to full temp or to full speed? I mean, is that how you're creating balance? Because normally when my lights off, if I got high humidity, my fans, even though I have an intake fan too, mm-hmm. they'll still suck the fucking sides in. Yeah, there's no real sucking in the sides. And I, the, uh, I have the trip alarms for um, like it'll kick on for high humidity and it'll kick on for high heat. But, you know, I keep the heat around there and anywhere between 82 and, and 85, something like that. Um, and then when it kicks on for to pull out the to pull, it's, if anything, right now, it does it for humidity. When I look at any of my alarms and that's only when I don't pay attention to that bucket and not get it drained out enough. So um, I don't see any sort of sucking in on the sides. It doesn't like kick on and, and really vacuum it in. Um, I mean, there's a little bit of movement around it, but. You know, that 15-inch hurricane on the inside keeps a lot of pressure moving, too. Um, and those keeping those ports open down at the bottom, I think, has a, has a good impact on it as well. But Oh, you're leaving your flaps open on the bottom? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't like do that. that. Yeah. You don't run photos, though. So... Tell me that. So what is that? What do you mean by that? Because I'm still, you know, that's, I still want to get back to the I, photos. I, and I want to go back to Light leaks, you got them flaps ah, open, you're going to have light see, leaks. These are the anxieties I have, Strong room. Island. These, Because, yeah. like, I'm comfortable, like, dialed in with the HVAC on autos. But then I, that's, those are those little watershed moments for me that I'm like, man, I don't know. Maybe I'm not ready for it yet, you know? Well, Tell, Johnny go. just brought up that other sting word, you know, light leaks. You yeah. know, it's like, ah, I go, man, 
you know, I know I, yeah. I have, I won't name the brand, but I have, you know, some, not the greatest quality tents, you know, uh, I have that V brand and yeah, I, you know, I can see it when I come down into my basement and the lights are out and only the grow lights are on, I could see the pinholes, you know, yeah. so, pinholes is one but, thing. Yeah. Pinholes really like what you got to do is turn all the lights on. You're ever going to have in that room, zip your tent up and get inside of it. Yeah. That's the only way you're going to tell what true light leaks you're going to have. Those pinholes. I like, I can see them in my AC infinity right here. I can see them. Yeah. Like, if I was, yeah, I don't know if you guys could, nah, not really, but I can see literally. And then you get inside the tent, you can't see nothing. Well, you gotta remember, and I'll you shine got a flashlight right on it. Yeah, it's a different perspective when you're in there. Inside so, is yeah, a big silver box with like 500 watts of LEDs running. It's <laughs> and all you're saying, you got like a 25 watt LED sitting in the room, the lung room. It's like that's not getting in. You'll be surprised. Yeah, but How those big. Yeah. Those but if you have a big ass bottom. lap open, yeah, well, <laughs> that's, that's different. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if too stony. I wonder if maybe just as an experiment, you know, maybe maybe closing them lower flaps that you have on those tents to maybe stop the infiltration of the cooler air on the bottom. Mm -hmm. Maybe you have that upper air on the top and the cooler on the bottom, and you're getting more of that kind of sweat from that yeah. transfer. You know, the transpiration. Yeah, could be. You know, could be. so. Because yeah, I have been... mine closed because the same thing. I, they're on a basement floor. I have on my tents, I have um, styrofoam. And then I have a couple of old just towels that I put down. Mm -hmm. And then I have like uh, for HVAC, you can insulate your ductwork in what they call bubble wrap. Mm -hmm. So it's like that silver back kind yeah. of like, you know, in almost like the bubble wrap you have in a package. Yeah, sure, sure. And then I have that. And then I set my tents on top of that, and it gives me about, I would say, about an you know an inch, inch and a half or so off the concrete floor of straight insulation. Yeah, but I have cool. all of my uh, vents on the bottom, you know, sealed up tight, so I'm not pulling any of that cold air in through the bottom. I only have the vents. I have, um, I think it's on my three, on my three by three. Actually, they're both six inch, the smaller tent and. I just have that one six inch hole, yeah. you know, and I just draw off the top and I use, utilize the fans to kind of circulate that air within the tent, but I'm only pulling that upper warmer air mm -hmm. kind of across into my tent. Yeah. yeah. Something to try. Now, maybe. Like me, I like me, I run an intake fan on my four by fours, my two by four. I don't really worry about I put a four inch there. I let the side suck in. I'm not mm. really worried about it. But for my two four by fours, I run a six inch intake and I have it Y split going to both tents. And I have that turned up to like two, sometimes three. If constant I'm fresh air going in, constant fresh air going yeah. in. But my exhaust fans are off unless yeah. they need to trigger for heat or humidity. Yeah. So, which is nice, like in younger veg, they can have that air in the same time they're getting fresh air in, but I can yeah, heat see, it up much faster, especially mm -hmm. during the day without having to exhaust. So, <laughs> Yeah, you've got it that just floor. Exhaust, None of that, that wasted humidity. energy. Yeah, that yep. inline. And then my intake is up high, so I put the intake fan up high in my room, so it's getting warmer air from up right. top in the ceiling than it would be getting cooler air. Yeah. for those two things. So that warmer, yeah. drier air too. Yeah, that's a, that's the thing to consider too. If you if you're having that issue, you can run an intake fan. Oh, I do. You have got sucked up the. So yeah, he said, yeah. Yeah, I got that six oh, okay. inch that I, I run. That oh, runs that's right. Right on the floor. Yeah, and and you keep your flaps open. 
No, the ones on the bottom just to maintain temperature. Like I said, man, this the one I've got in there now. So I've got four um, four plants in there that that are filling up the room, and I think they're just acting like solar panels. So I mean, I'm seeing temperatures in the room go up. I'm sure that now that my my lights a year plus old, I'm sure that driver's starting to kick out a little bit more heat and work a little bit harder. Um, and then I just th these plants are huge. They're huge, and I've got so much foliage in there. And it's just, it's a different, it's a learning curve for me because I went from the five by nine and I'm now down Grab to like um, your scissors and defoliate. <laughs> Give them a haircut. Yeah. Yeah. Problem solved. Holy shit. It took us 27 minutes to solve that problem. Well, you know, I mean, this is, <laughs> well, you grow in, in large scissors size. out. I, I do my friend. I do. I go, I do like four five, six, seven, eight a day. It's typically at this stage. And I'll go and I'll just be real strategic. Like if you if they've eaten them, if they you know if they're done with the, with the leaf, the, if my flowers have eaten it, I I clip it off. It's just not for me, you know. I, I don't need to save them out until they're dry. Um, and then there's some of the things that I just move out of the way for tucking, but I don't go I don't go slaughtering these things. I don't I don't shwaze them or anything. Oh man, I that's my favorite part. I love that was actually and then just raping them. Well, then that's a photo period thing again too, right? Because you, you can. Isn't that part of it is doing strong oh, that's defoliation? Sure. That's why I always grow midget ass autos because I'm always fucking with them. Mm. So, no, look. Oh, man. Those leaves. Well, that one's got to go. 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 Uh, oh, yeah. This is an auto. <laughs> how, are, how, do you, how, how do you keep these things straight? Like when you do so many different, uh, I mean, you've got photos running at the same time. Autos is going. How, how do you keep these calendars straight? I mean, one of the things that kept swirling back and i wanted to talk to you like back to you both both photo like what's the shortest amount of veg time that you can go to i mean can we flip these things in a similar amount of time as autos start them in 12 12 yeah i basically just did that with my last run we i mean they had maybe yeah three weeks maybe they were and i had flipped them but basically, I could have started in 12-12 because what happens is they will not flip until they've reached sexual maturity. maturity. So it's going to be just like an autoflower when you flip them 12-12 early Do like you... that. The problem was is two of the four that I did that way hermed. Hmm. Now, none of the quality genetics that I knew about, I mean, the I'm not going to say his name, but the breeder of those genetics like has been known to fucking have herms. So I was not surprised to see Herms. One of his genetics didn't Herm, and she's beautiful, and the smell coming off it is amazing. That The other one, same thing. My BGG, they flipped so early before it was at sexual maturity, and she didn't grab no balls. So it's about the genetics, too. I mean, you can expect it going in that it could happen or it couldn't happen, but you could, you could literally keep them at 12-12. It's just about maintaining your environment for that period of time, for the lights on and lights off. How, how, in, how long are you normally starting off at 12, 12? Are you? No, I'm one of those people that veg way too long. So like when I do photos, I'm not, Same. I'm not doing it for the short game and trying to mimic what autoflowers are. Like you can, I mean, start at 12, 12 and let them decide when veg is over and they want to be sexually mature. But like, I, for me, it just feels that I'm trying to like, I'm trying to force a photo to be an auto. It's like, that's not what just I'm trying say, to do here. <laughs> like, is, that the, is that the only advantage to pushing them like that is just to try and get the timing down on it? Is there? Well, you can add your, you can bring your numbers up. You can have smaller plants and hope for yeah. it. That's kind of what I was thinking is that I would end up having smaller plants, you know? 
Mm. So you get but more I, variety by doing that or in a smaller tent. Which I actually I'm I'm experimenting with the veg time because I'm I'm notorious for going eight to ten weeks in veg. It's just it just matches the transplant schedule that I like to follow. So it's like three weeks in a solo, three weeks in a gallon, two weeks or so in their final pot, and then I flip. It's just what works for me. So I'm instantly in the eight week category right off the bat. So I've been, but then you have huge plants. Like they, they get two plants will fill out a four by four easily. And so uh, I'm going to experiment that with that a little bit at some point to see maybe if I can get a little more variety, if I just veg for shorter, but then I have to change my transplant schedule because if I, I like the solo to a gallon to the final pot, it's just the root, mass is just perfect for me i'll have to skimp somewhere on that but um yeah i never start at 12 12 i'm not trying to be i'm not growing photos to be an auto and it just feels like like autos are optimized for that short veg period so like they mm. grow rapidly in three weeks where i don't feel a photo ever grows that rapidly in three weeks like i have ones that are like 17 days now and they're three nodes and these short little things, but a three and that, but I have my alabrihes, which are a little over three weeks and they're huge. Yeah. So it's just, it autos are just meant to go hit the ground running. If, as long as you don't stunt them, like they will run. And uh, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to follow. If I wanted that kind of timetable in those size plants, I would just run all autos, but that's not what I'm doing. So I just, I give the, the right amount of time for the right type of plant. And I'm, I'm willing to, that's why I do both. Like I'd be pissed off if I was running one or the other. Like I like to have the variety of both and they, they kind of stagger their schedules a little bit and it works out. Have you ran photos in an earth box yet? Yeah. Uh, before my auto pots, I ran, um, let's see. What plants did I run in the? Oh yeah. So I ran Shangri-La in the earth boxes, purple frost dry in the earth boxes. Um, so I've ran, Three plants. And yeah. did you go from solo cup to one gallon to earth box? Or did you go yep. solo cup to the earth? Yeah. Box? And actually that worked out really well because it actually, that was perfect because the, the height between the, the bottom of the earth box where the dirt's going to rest to the top is about the same height of the one gallon pots I have. So when you transplant, you can fill right away. Like the roots are right there. You just transplanted. They're right there. So like you give them like a couple days just to get over that initial period the and then fill it. And it's like right away. We're like with the auto pots, I still got like 12 inches underneath the one gallon pot. That's a pain in the ass, but the earth boxes were perfect for that transplant schedule. It, it worked out so great. Uh, but yeah, I've yeah I've done like three photos in them, and they they're they run wonderful with photo photo periods. Well, actually, anything like I've never seen them fail in any way. So, but yeah, the one gallon pots going into them are fucking awesome. Oh shit! Yeah, I did that right photo direct. Oh, sorry, I did that photo directly into the earth box, and I was questioning that. You know, being new with photos, I know a lot of people like to do the transplant, and I'm you know. Even now, I'm still kind of second guessing whether or not I was better off maybe going from like a solo cup to the earth box or, you know, maybe like what you do, Howling, maybe, you know, a, a solo cup to like a half gallon or gallon pot to the earth box. Um, I did the direct. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Well, it works for autos, so it'll work great. I'm sure it'll work great. Oh, hell yeah. 
And some did you people amend like, the soil. What yes, soil I did. did. You use this time. Did you that was the, the, it the light. Yeah. No. Nah, well, I, I just reamended it. So that was the uh, the light that I got. The uh, build the soil light. Yeah. Um, and with the blues Rosso run I did in that, um, I did a big top dressing of the build a flower. Um, so this time I kind of let it sit. Um, I just wanted to see what the reservoir looked out, looked like afterwards. So I took everything out. Um, I just wanted to just out of curiosity. That's what I want to see. Like what, it, what happens to the reservoir? What do the roots look like? What does the reservoir do? Does it get all mucky? Does it get all dirty? How much really fell through? So this time I took everything apart. Um, and at that point I reamended new worm castings, new crab meal, um, you know, new azomite, uh, a little bit more. Um, I use mycos for my mycorrhizal fungi. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think of what else I put in there. A little bit of baguano. Um, neem cake I put in there uh, only because I had a little bit of a bout with um, fungus gnats last time. Mm-hmm. So I figured the neem cake would definitely help with that a little bit. You know, I reamended, but I don't go crazy. So, you know, one of the things I always try to preach to people is like less is more. You know, I learned that with, um, you know, I used to keep saltwater fish tanks for a lot of years. And, you know, everyone was like, oh, you know, you had three tablespoons of this and that. And I was like, I, I think they kind of want you to just use their product. <laughs> you know, like, so I kind of <laughs> cut a lot of those things in half to see what would happen. I actually have better results. You could always add, you can't take away. That's my, yeah. you know, so, and I always try to, you know, teach people, you know, where not teach, but tell people who are getting into gardening, less is more. You could always add more, you know, so I just uh, re-amended the soil a little bit. I didn't want to mess with it too much. So yeah, be now when you do a top dressing. I had a question for Howling and and Strong Stony and you too. I forgot you growing in boxes. Do you have you have a regular size or just the minis? Just the junior. Just the okay, junior. Okay, so so and you've done two runs and it basically came worm castings the second run? Or was that after the first run? I forget. I've done a I've done a I mean I've used that thing since the very beginning. So um I've done two back to backs in it. And all mm-hmm. I did was some top dressing. I never had any issues. I mean, it was incredible just keeping it as is. And then the other times, I'm I'm like you, Strong Island. I wanted to learn from them. So I dried them out for like, I think it was about a week or two, something like that. And then flipped them over and just looked and see how the how the roots grew. And just tried to understand that how they made their way down, which were the thickest, which ones looked like they were feeders, and which looked like they were really going for water. And it was just a learning exercise. Same thing, like how filthy was the inside of it. And I still, I kind of just do it a couple times because I did it one run is when I did the uh, like a big bonsai style and I ran it from one side to the other and um, gave me this confidence of like, oh, it doesn't really matter. It looks, this, I mean, it's the same amount of roots. They just grew in a different direction. They still filled the pot being on one complete different side and, and the one that's in there now, Rudy's is in there now. And it's, I grew four to start with uh, and then trimmed them out within a couple few weeks um, and down to that one. And it's all the way over on the left side. So like, 
yeah, I mean, I, I, I've grown in the small the whole time. Now, back to back, they ran fine. Back to back. Now you dumped and stirred each time. You didn't no. go no till. So uh, I I would say if we had to, to really distill it down, I tilled all, but there was one run where I went back to back where I just pulled the root out gently after it had dried for a couple weeks, just kind of twisted and pulled out the main root and then just put a little, like pulled that aside, put a little bit of my seedling soil into there and direct sowed right into it. And I didn't have any issues following along like my normal routine of um, top dressing and just organic amendments along the way. I didn't see any difference in the feeding or anything. So, and that was light also. So, now, do you guys, Howling? I think you you you're not no tilling them, right? You're no, when I did, did you I even them. even your big pots you reamend you dump it yeah reamend okay yeah and. I mean, my theory was. Do you have any plans on going Strong Island? Do you have any plans on going no till in the future with the Earth Box? So, after this, I want to try no till because that's what I do out in all my beds. You can hear me? Yeah. Yeah. You're good. good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I thought I saw it. But yeah, outside, that's what I do. All my beds outside are 100% no till. Um, It's kind of something I, you know, I kind of like the idea of. Uh, something that's always kind of worked for me outside. I'm um, like I said this time. It was just kind of like a learning experience. I just want to kind of see what it was doing, how how mucky the reservoir gets. Um, you know, even using labs and things like that. I wanted to see kind of what what it looked like inside, and you know, was there root growth along the walls and stuff. But after this, uh, I plan on kind of going back to back. Um, you know, kind of like what, you know, I've heard Jeremy talk about with, from builder soil and things like that. Like, you know, the, as those roots decay, they kind of become super highways for new roots from other plants. So I want to see next time, see how this, uh, um, you know, I was inspired by Johnny, you know, uh, his pictures of his sauce. So that's what I chose to do as my first photo period from BGG in, uh, in the earth box. So. You know, once we see uh, kind of what she does, the next one I want to go no-till right back in. Um, you know, I think uh, I want to. I told Joint that I would run probably a PB and Cray or something like that inside, and uh, you know, see where she goes, see what she does, and just do the top dress like you, Stony. Just you know, maybe a little build a flower on top. You know, something for a little extra calcium because from my understanding with the earth boxes, that's where they kind of lack. They kind of depletes the the calcium minimum a little bit so maybe just a top dress of some azomite you know some crab meals make shells and just build a flower mm-hmm. yeah i mean one more i got one more question right around the earth boxes what cues are y'all using to top dress your earth boxes when and what signs are you using to top dress and how much so for me um i actually reached out to you and that was one of the questions I had for you, Johnny, was, you know, when when do you think I should top dress? And I think I might have asked Rev as well, um, you know, not being familiar with the earth box and knowing you guys had a lot of experience with it. Um, you know, and I think both you kind of fired back was right when you noticed the little pom poms, when she's starting to flip into flower, give her a little top dress. Um, so. I probably added, I would say, maybe an inch of top dress. I don't even think the the builder flower bag, I probably used a little over a third. Maybe not quite a half, but a little, you know, somewhere in between like a third and a half of the bag to top dress with. And that was it, you know. 
and I grew two blue Zerosos in one earth box. And, you know, I thought they came out pretty nice. What about you, Stoney? What cues are you using? It's a good question, man. And, and you know, I, I think I tend probably to just do it more smaller down in components on a more regular basis. I mean, typically I'm scratching in something on a weekly basis, especially in that because, I, you know, I'll get three, four days worth of a tank in that thing, especially early on in growth. It can go sometimes five, six days, right? Um, I'll, I may scratch in something towards the end of it, or if I'm going to be uh, kind of top watering it. So it may be castings one week. It may be Bokashi one week. It may be uh, silica one week. Oftentimes in that sort of, um, uh, we think about the top dress, we will we'll throw everything all in at once and put that layer right on the top of it. And there's something in my mind about, you know, you're going to almost going to create this layered strata of different layers of earth, right? Because especially you've got certain materials that are all going to kind of compact in there. And I noticed that in some of my first early grows uh, is that when I would kind of scoop down into that soil and as I was learning about it, is I would see the striation, see the different layers of where my top dresses were. And so that kind of switched my theory up of like, hey, instead of putting it all into this big mix, there may be one time where I put in four ingredients, four or five ingredients, but that's usually the one that's about two, about a week or two before, like right when I see action starting to happen, like it begins to go into flower, that's when I'm hitting that one. But I've probably already scratched in maybe two weeks before that, something else. It might be, um, I might just be putting in some mycorrhiza. Usually on that earth box uh, in the first couple of weeks, I'll get the clover. So I'm going to crunch that up with my hands, tuck that in, rake it around a little bit. I may put some Bokashi on the top of that to get it starting to break down. I may put some castings in there because especially Kuoko's got the, uh, there's a lot of fresh worms that are in there. There's a lot of cocoons that are in there. So those get wet. And then whenever I scratch it, I just water over the top of it some sort of a potion that may have other nutrients in it or amendments in it as well. So to, to answer your question, Johnny, the cues that I do, uh, are, I'm looking for the beginning of flower, and then I'm a, I'm looking for well into flower when buds are really starting to plump up. I'm starting to see the definition of where the the ultimate coal is going to be. Then I'll hit it with another one. But I am adding stuff all along the way. Righteous. What about you, Howling? What cues do you use to top dress your earth box? You know, a lot of it's just timing um, with the autos in the earth boxes and really kind of true for any pot. It's like three times I'll top dress. It's sometime around week three and then around week six and then maybe around week eight and, and that's it. And, and I just follow those three times. Um, and I mean, if the plant will tell me uh, photos, since I transplant maybe about two weeks before I flip, it's about when I flip is I'll top dress it's fresh in there like i just did a transplant so whatever's there is fresh and ready to go so i'll do that maybe two weeks after transplant i'll i'll top dress and then i might only do one more top dress after that the first time i used the earth boxes i there is so much horsepower that i put in there because i was top dressing <laughs> constantly and i'm like this thing does not need it it would not senesce for nothing there was so many nutrients in that pot like i learned my lesson pretty quick on that one because i was like it was like right it was an auto and it was right from the beginning it was like on a regimen every two weeks i was doing like a heavy top dress and it just it mm -hmm. was so much there was so mm -hmm. much in there i could have probably ran three more plants in that damn thing that's where i <laughs> found all that striation when i put the <laughs> yeah. same way dude and i was like 
wait a second. Maybe I don't need to be doing a full top dressing no. every single time. Maybe I just need to kind of pace it a little bit. And so then that's when the natural progression of like, all right, I'll break down the living stuff with the Bokashi. I'll put the mycorrhiza down and I'll put some castings. And then just then you start to see the life cycle lay out in front of you like that. I'm contemplating with these auto pots. I have um, my Hubba Bubba Haze and it's a fresh 13 gal uh, auto pot and it would build a soil light in it. I may not top dress at all. I don't know. Yeah, that's a lot. I mean, it's I've 13 got, gallons uh, of soil. I, I I might not need to do a damn thing to it. We'll that's see. a big battery. Yeah, it is a big battery. Yeah. yeah. But I think that's what Jeremy's good. doing. I don't think he's well, he did in one of the videos give him like a really light top dressing, which was it wasn't much. Um, a little dusting on top. But other than that, I think he's planning on running water only. Yeah. And it goes well, like the the I've I've ran quite a few plants now through these auto pots and I may not, I don't know. I'm going to have to think about this uh, top dressing schedule. I have yeah. to change it all up. Cause I don't know. I'll tell you what really got me kind of going towards it. And I know it, it shows up in all of our tents and I think it probably will be going forward here even a little bit more as I, st- I realized when I was started to play around with can of bonsai that I would absolutely need to have more, I needed to replenish more right away up front. And that's also what helped me break down and do more potions along the way, more little bits along the way for that uh, little can of uh, bonsai. So strong island grower, I know you've got some growing in, in your tent that you've gotten bit by it too. And, and we're all, I know anyone else out there in the community, we're sitting on the cusp of, of Alibri has got one going and, and he was one of my first ones to start chit chatting with. He's the one, He's one of the first ones that I felt comfortable saying, hey, do you mind if I use your beans? Because I thought it would be disrespectful along the way of like, you know, I don't want to waste anyone's for it because it's definitely done for a piece of art. So, you know, can of bonsai going in the opposite side of directions of, of gallons of ten. But uh, you, you've got one grown in yours, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, my second one. And I felt the same way. That's why the first one I did, I did uh, like a rando seed that i actually found in my cookie smasher so i thought it would be like disrespectful if i used you know someone's like seed to do a can of bonsai so i started with that uh but being the rules change for this grow and it had to be you know an alabrihe um seed i chose the freebie from tangy which was the star crunch cross with dog walker Mm-hmm. So that's what I have. It's on day 22 today. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, started giving her a little, little bit of a beating and uh, started <laughs> twisting her up a little bit, you know? So yeah, I'm excited about it. And I know we've done, you know, back to the auto pots, we've, we've all continued to grow through. I know Johnny had, had done uh, some work playing around with one and got one to lay completely on its side and grew it. And it was, we look at these definitions of can of bonsai and the different ways that we grow them, but they can still be grown in larger size pots. And, you know, it's kind of in, in the methods and techniques. And Johnny, what size, what size did you do that time? What do you remember that one? So yeah, your I full size. I don't know. I fucked with all my long. shit, but I did start my Alibri Hay can of bonsai today. You did awesome. Yep, I did. Yep, I got a. I started my sour gingerbread, oh, and awesome. I'm going full fucking wild card because I was sifting through my worm castings, 
And I said, you know what? I'm going to take and plant directly in some unsifted worm castings. So I got my worm bed and I took this two liter pot and said, I'm going to have plenty of freaking soil in there. Plenty of nutrients in these worm castings. Let's see what happens in two liters and worm castings, basically. <laughs> so I got a little two liter planter and unsifted worm castings. So it's still got some bedding. So it's not like super rich. That's beauty. Uh, and uh, um, put a dome over top of it and started in my propagation tent. And we'll see what we can do with that. Plus, I got my mom bonsai going too, but that's a that's 70 gallon. And there, it's just going crazy. Yeah, I've not, got that thing all twisted gold. up and bent. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's cool. not for the, that's not for the, uh, the grow along. It's for the, uh, it's just because I can't, I can't have a big ass fucking mom in that tent with all my peppers. And <laughs> I got two autoflowers growing in there too. So it's like, oh, I got to, let's bonsai this thing. So, yeah. Howler is your, I love doing it, man. What's that? Do you have one growing yet? No, I haven't started the bonsais yet. I'm still. So my goal was I'm running three alabrijes and three gallon pots. And I thought, hey, it'd be really cool to run three bonsais for each of those, which is still my plan. But I'm every single freaking grow. I have to mess something up and change it. And so this time I'm running the three pots in a two by four tray with the aqua valve. Oh, cool. And it's working great as far as being a very large auto pot. The problem I'm facing now is, uh, well, one is the plants are getting too bushy. So I'm going to have to rethink how they're positioned in there. But um, <clears throat> And if I could fit the bonsai plants in there as well, which was, was my hope, but I don't think that's going to happen. So I got to rethink that a little bit, but I'm also battling and I'm, and if you have, you all have any <clears throat> thoughts on what I could do, this would be awesome is I'm battling humidity. I didn't really think about having this large tray with water sitting in it with that. It would spike my humidity Ooh, that much. And it does great call. like, yeah, like right now my tent's sitting at 76%, which I'm fine right now. It's there. I mean, barely even showing pistols. Like, so mm -hmm. like there's nothing, no worry about rot or anything at this point, but, but the time will come. The time will come. So I'm now like, I was checking my AC infinity controller as, as you all were talking. And I saw that and I was like, I had to mute because there was some cursing that went on. <laughs> and so I'm going to have to figure this out. <laughs> Is that what you were throwing things at the wall for? Man? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's a few few holes in the wall I have to patch up. Um, I'm going to need Johnny's help. Um, yeah. So I'm going to have to rethink this one. So I don't know if I'm going to keep the tray and toss like some bricks or rocks or something in there to occupy some of the space, or I might go through, I have enough aqua valves spare like i i have enough that i could split them all into three separate trays so there's less uh surface area with the water so mm -hmm. yeah volume yeah so i might do that i'll have to play around tomorrow i'm not too happy about this i was hoping this tray was going to work out nice and it's like a 50 dollars tray so i'm gonna be really pissed when this doesn't work because <laughs> i have no other use for that tray is there a way to seal it up like over the top like to contain so that that's another option as I thought maybe I could take um, like one of those big 50 gallon black thick plastic mm -hmm. garbage bags and, and, and cut us cut the seam and lay it out. And maybe I can cut holes for the pots where they sit and kind of make my own little, like you see the earth box shower mm -hmm. cap type thing. Um, so maybe I could do something like that. 
I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. I really liked the idea of having this tray with just one valve feeding three plants. It, it's just so simple and it works really well for the two by four. But yeah, this this was this was a I wasn't anticipating this. I don't know why I was not anticipating it, because I know like you got a bunch of standing water in there. Of course, it's going to raise the humidity. <laughs> but I was a dumbass and never thought about it. But we're focused on other things that it worked out actually really up until now it worked really well. Like I had these three pots, but I also have my photos running in solos right now. And they're, they're old enough where you could start butt butt chugging some water. So I have them, I had them in the same tray. And so they're all getting fed and water just like the, the bigger pots. And it all worked beautifully until yeah, today, this, this, this is, it doesn't help that it's like 80% humidity outside. So my lung room isn't, and I run like, Strong Island, I also run in a basement in my room with my exchanger and, and all the ducting, but I'm actually having a different problem. You said like you have to add humidity and that it stays like kind of stable. Mine is not that way. Like mine is very humid in that room. Um, and it gets either like if I'm running the AC like I am right now, um, that room is sitting at like 64 degrees. It's just it's just radiating. Yeah, that was the same. I got the cold. convection from it. Yeah, it gets super cold or like or then in the winter, I have the opposite problem. It gets yeah. super hot in there. So I was I, I'm quite jealous of your stable lung room because <laughs> mine is not at yeah. all. It's don't get me wrong. It's not super stable, but it, it doesn't fluctuate as yeah. bad as you would think, you know. But I think you're on the right path with the the idea the either the bricks or the rocks though, Howling, taking up some of the space with that. Don't don't just scrap that pan. Yeah. Just take up some of the space so you're minimizing the amount of surface area and volume of water. I think that will help with you know. Yeah, I might just go get a bag some, of pebble or something and toss it. Need some like, stones, man. Marble yeah. chips or something yeah. like that, yeah. or. I'm telling you that it, it makes great mulch too if you don't use it. I'm telling you, and it also helps when you go to scratch in top dressings and all that sort of stuff. If you've got yeah, good actually, stones on top, it it you just sprinkle right over the top, and then you just kind of roll your hands over the stones, and it it stirs, it scratches it right in. That's definitely what I'm doing with the earth boxes next uh, summer. Mm -hmm. So I ran, I repurposed my earth boxes for outdoor veggies, and they worked beautifully. But I had no mulch layer on top, and I was too lazy to go grab some rock. But I think next year I'm going to do that because yep. that just seems so much nicer. It, yeah. They dry out. Like I didn't anticipate the difference of using the earth box between the inside and the outside. Yeah, it, I don't even put a cover totally on my. Different. I don't even use covers on my earth yeah. box anymore. Yeah, I just really? just nope. No, I mean, there's an advantage to it, but I don't think it, I mean, I, it goes back to my tech method and technique where I'm, I put potions over the top of it and I top water it every time. Same with my auto pots. I know that there's always going to be like an inch or so that's, that's dry on the top. And I know no. how much action happens in that top three. So I'll just take advantage of it and pour a potion in. What size auto pots are you running again? Uh, well, I use the uh, the um, honor bags now, yep. and they're like four gallons. I don't use I don't use the plastic buckets anymore. I just didn't... you know those honor bags. I order the three gallon ones, but they're like almost five gallons of soil. Yeah. yeah, I measured yeah. it. I'm like, this is this is crap. Like, I know yeah. how much is in here, and it's like, yeah. which is nice because with the auto pots, with smaller pots, you're supposed to put the pumice layer or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's okay. Yep. Then I actually do get like a very solid three to four gallons yep. of soil. Yeah, with that layer still in there, mm -hmm. it works out beautifully. I love yeah. those bags so much. I do too, and especially the ones that are designed for the auto pots. 
it's a it's a night and day difference. I, I hope mean, he I'm makes gone. one. I hope he makes the bigger ones. Um, I there I think there gets that tipping point where because you have so much air volume on the sides of it. I think it's going to cut down on the wicking. I think that there's probably. Oh, don't a... get me started about that. Don't get me. <laughs> well, no. again, that's that's the reasoning where it's like, okay, I know that that's just a regular thing that happens. I'm just going to lean into it. And that's why I pour a potion in once a week to them. I know? used to, I mean, it took me a little while to get used to it. Like I knew this was the worry that I know Jeremy from Bill of Soil had, and he's seeing it with his grow right now. And I saw it with mine is that some of these pots, especially like the nine or 13 gallon pots, they're very tall. Mm -hmm. And actually, like at first, I'm like, crap, I just wanted this res to keep it at a consistent moisture level throughout the pot. Mm -hmm. And I hated that it wasn't. But then I learned to love it just because I don't have to turn the res off or, or anything. I just wait till it gets down to a low enough percentage of moisture. And then I go hit it with a potion on top and yep. I'm done. Like there's nothing. Where it's with like the regular. earth box, yep. you have to kind of do this like little cycle. Like some people, and I know I did with the earth box, do this little like let it dry back and then top water, let that kind of sit in and stabilize and then fill the res. Like there is none of that with the big auto pots. It's mm -hmm. just go blast them with some water. Just keep on moving. Like it's perfect. Well, and they're fluted to earth, you know, that they, they, they go out, they're wider at the top than they are at the base. And so I just, yeah, I understand the oh, physics you're running of the water blast. movement. Right. The, and I understand yeah. the physics of water movement, but it's just to me, like it made sense why it always dried out on that top inch and I had yeah. two inches. And so I just leaned into it. You know what I mean? It just is what it yep. is. I can't do anything about it. And, you know, so, but now, you know, back to those bags, like I don't see it as much, but I still see it a little bit on those. And that's just, you know, you've got a lot of air movement going back and forth within the soil. So it's a healthy thing. It's just finding that balance in between the two, but I love those bags. I think they're just yeah, they're wonderful. aesthetically. They're awesome too. I think they're incredible, but the materials and the quality. And, and that's what, that's what got me is when I, I used them um, with the auto pot trays for uh, previous grow. And so when I dumped them out and had to clean them, I'm like, shit, this is beautiful. Like I took Back a to little, brand new. yeah, like some yep. Dawn dish soap and mm -hmm. a scrub brush and hit it really quick. Yep. And it's like, well, fuck, there's a brand yep. new sturdy bag. It didn't like, at like get thinned out or anything the fabric yep. didn't like fray out or it's just it's perfect yep. done yep yeah I'm, I'm but there's a plug i have for this 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 episode it's definitely those damn well, bags. i'll second you on that one my friend and that's i would yeah, love man. to get the living soil bags man his fucking big bed yeah i would love to put those in my four by four those are some sharp looking fucking nice beds it's like yeah i mean oh, i wish i could swing the cost cool. of them yeah yeah man, they look really cool and but honestly, you know, I will say because um, you bring up a really valid point. Now you were talking about the gigantic one for the for the the living soil one, but yeah, I've got two three by three yeah. uh, the grassroots, and I love these things, man. They're great, but they're just not as uh, sexy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's the, the something missing. Like Honor puts a little bit more into mm -hmm. the living there's soil a design. bed. It's yeah. like some pizzazz, and it's mm -hmm. like yeah, man. Plus it's handcrafted. It's like yeah. yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot to that. Lot to them, and I think that. It's, it's awesome to see that his business grow and he's like, go find him on, on Instagram too and go look for the pots. It's they're, they're incredible, but the, there's a value in the premium price for them. So if you see them in pricing and you're looking at them comparing apples to apples, you're, you're really kind of looking at like apples to, you know, Laffy Taffy's. They're both kind of the same, but there's definitely a, there's a, a there is a quality step up with these. Um, and I'm not paid by them either. I just, I, I've always had his bags in there since I think from the very beginning. And I think Space McCrone was one where he, I think I first saw him using them and got hooked on them. So aesthetically beautiful, but 
functional and form too. I think they're incredible bags and, and they help to really just, you know, your soil breathes more so I think than what I found with, um, I had some stunting issues with those big giant ones. I think it was just hard. I didn't have them grown out well enough to turn the water into them yet. So challenges in them. <laughs> I like those bags, man. I'll stick with them any day, any day. But yeah, that's definitely one of the improvements I want to make to my grow in the future is definitely the autopods. I uh, just watching everyone who grows in them, how everyone talks about them. You know, it's uh, definitely one of the next steps lights and autopods. That's yeah. the two upgrades coming up. You know. And, you know, you, you're on the right track with um, sub irrigated um, planting SIP system, right? So. Once we understand that method, like there'll be another brand that comes along after Autopot that has some other sort of innovation to it. We'll stick to that sort of method and technique because I think that that's just natural for this. Like Johnny was one of the first ones that I heard about um, and started talking to a long time ago. It was in growing full scale into earth boxes and Rev2, and that was over a year plus now. Um, and, and I was fascinated too when I got started into them. Even though I've got all my autopots, I still grow in earth boxes. Uh, the one that I've got, the very first one that I bought that I was the most proud of. So I think it's just the method and technique that we'll stick with that we grow. It's like, you know, we're going to grow organic no matter what. Like The products will change. I know you've got some products in, that you've used in the past that you're close to. We've been talking build the soil. But at the core of it, you were talking, you know. Azamite, you're talking crab, you were talking the, the functional ingredients that are going into it, the methods and techniques of top dressing into some sort of a sub irrigated system, right? Even though we can talk about products now topically, down the road, we're still just going to be using the same methods and techniques that we're learning from it. So, always amazing stuff, man. Always yeah. amazing stuff. Always amazing stuff. So. so it's about that time we fucking shit on somebody and I got yeah. the perfect somebody to <laughs> shit on. You know what? We really should. Whoever this is, we should really just stomp their toes on this one and <laughs> kick them in the nut. Just kick them straight in the fucking nut on this one. So who is it? Who, who might work this be? He's at work. I'll give oh, you a hint. He look can't even that. show up to work because he's at work. And he's, he's our native Californian. He's our California. Oh, I mean, he's a frog. Yeah. This week's yeah. shitlister is the Reverend Pirate Frog, everybody. Yeah. Because this is his first episode for not showing up, and he put me on the shit list when I didn't show up, so it's his fucking turn. Yeah. Nice. Oh yeah, he'll nice. he'll be the first to call out someone when yeah. they're not there. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And remember that he's he's gonna have to, to edit this so we can say as much shit as we want, and he's cringing <laughs> right now. Because, you know, we could shit on him all we want. But at the end of the day, we all know that he's probably one of the kindest, most gentle people that we know. Most caring, right? For all of us, that's just barely scratches into his universe. The next thing you know, we're like fully orbiting around in it. He's just, uh, he cares about every single one of us. And he's true to that. If you ever meet him in person, I know that uh, there's two of us on the screen that have had the opportunity to, to share space Fuck with him. Fuck you. And he is, he is the genuine Rev. He is what you, what you think he is. He is my uh, generational dude. He is the dude for sure. Um, and ever the opportunity to be out there in California, go find him, no matter how hella cool it is or how close to Cali you're going to need to get to him. Find that fucker because he's pretty awesome. So, no, yeah. he's a fucking sadist. Fuck off. <laughs> he is right now putting me through so much damn torture. I, 
I love and hate him at the same time right now. He's actually the reason that I still have my Hubba Bubba Haze. He told me to kind of hold, hold out, hold strong with this one. And I was ready to yank her just a few couple weeks ago. But now she's fill, filled out a three by three and he won't let me train the bitch. And it's like, come on. <laughs> she needs to be bent over like she is burning herself now. Nope, he still won't let me do it. And I am honor bound. I will hold to my word that I will grow it in the style of the frog. I will go with him. But I hate his style of growing. <laughs> just one clip. Just let me put one clip on her. Uh, but he won't let me do it. So fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I, I don't know. I, I love the guy, man. I wouldn't be here without him. Like uh, you guys all know that Yag is is him and me through and through. So uh, it all started with him and I just bullshitting back and forth, constant beratement and constant fucking just it was just fun, man. So the back and forth became, hey, dude, like want to do a podcast? This, it would be kind of fun to fucking have people see our personalities back and forth. And man, not just that, like he's a true friend. Like I've, we've got each other's phone numbers and fucking I, we've got private messages nonstop and it's, it's personal stuff. Polaroids. Like, true life shit. Yeah, man. Like, VHS yeah. tapes. Yep. Yeah. He said back and forth. Polaroids. Even though we haven't met the dick. Packages of hair. <laughs> nah, man, I, I love the guy and he's fucking, uh, he's one of my best friends and I'm fucking glad to have him. So. Yag, baby. Well, I actually got to run my fingers through his beard. <laughs> I was out in California. I called him up. I asked him, if, do you mind if I run my fingers through your beard? But not Lord, really. He had he, no uh... desire in meeting me in your fucking <laughs> Wait, wait you asked if he minded, given what else you were doing to him at the time? Yeah, that's the thing he's going to mind. Yep. Nah, I definitely... Uh... One of the great things about this whole community is guys like you. And one of the first ones I came across was Rev. And, uh, you know, you know, you could run across people that could completely turn you off. And, you know, I'm glad I ran into to Rev because he was definitely welcomed me with open arms. And, you know, when it came to like discord, I told him, I said, ah, you know, I don't know. You know, and he's like, listen, hop on there, talk to everyone. And if anyone gives you a hard fucking time they're out of there, you know? So it was just kind of cool to have that kind of, you know, friendship almost instantly with them. I really, uh, mm -hmm. awesome dude. Yeah. Yeah. The community's fortunate for him. And, uh, you know, he's always, uh, he's synonymous on here for having a couple questions. So I did prepare some questions for us guys. If we, you know, I know I could never step into Rev's full on shoes, but I have the questions for today. I didn't tell anyone, but I've got good ones. And they're two part questions. Right. So we're going to go first one because, you know, it's, it's culinary. So it's, it's got to be something around, you know, chefs with me. Um, so we're going to go sweet and we're going to go savory for the two questions. So I'm going to give you a couple things that you've got to choose between the two. It could be any one of the two, but I'm going to give you some. You got to choose between the two. So for sweets, are you an ice cream or a cake person? Round the bin. We're going to start with Johnny. Oh, dude, I was going to say in true fucking in true rev fashion, you're just going to fucking leave it open ended to all of us. I was going to say, God damn, that would have been nope, great. went straight to you, brother. Straight to you. Ice cream or cake, Johnny? Uh, yeah, man, I'm going to go with cake. If okay. there's cake around, I'd go for the cake first. Like ice cream. It's it. Yeah. I could do ice cream. But I'm, I'm lactose intolerant and I do love ice cream. But if well, so then you put really cake first. Yeah. yeah. OK. OK. Cake for Johnny. 
Strong Island? Uh, 100% ice cream. There we go. I love I love baked goods, but now nah, if there's a choice, 100% ice cream. Now, is it ice cream or is it Italian ice? Oh, not Italian ice. Maybe a gelato. Yeah. But gelato. Not. <laughs> not definitely here. ice cream. So, so where are you at with gelato? What's your gelato flavor then? It all depends. I mean, I, I like a lot of the classics, like a good pistachio or something like okay. that. You know, yeah, 100%. Pistachio. Yeah, there we go. Toasted pistachio. pistachio. Of course, mm. but I, mean, I think the, the key to gelato is really the slow churn. That's what makes it. And you've got so much. There's extra eggs that are involved with it. It's a custard that's involved. But it's all about this very, very slow churn. Because if you think about, like, if you ice cream that you're buying in the grocery store you're actually buying it's aerated to, it's like 15 to 20 percent air so you can buy law you can put that much air so take your that 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 cheap gallon container that you see in the freezer in the refrigerator in the grocery store take 20 percent of that and just say i'm paying for air right then and there for it to get that air into there they put all the stabilizers in there the gums and, and then all these things in there to kind of hold that air into fires so yep all those things that are in there when you talk gelato, when you talk eggs, cream, and sugar, and you slow the process down, and you slow the churning down, and that's the key to gelato, is that that slow, it aligns the protein strands, and it stretches them and pulls them out, and it smooths it out, and that's why you can take that spoon of a perfect gelato, slowly lift it, and you'll have these peaks that just lift to the top and fold right over. That's the key to good gelato. And good pistachio? Not the cheap stuff that's dyed and flavored, but if you make true pistachio where you cook pistachio in it, it'll, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll get you there. It'll get you there. That's it. 100. Howler, ice cream or cake? Oh, definitely cake. Cake. I mean, I really, I love, I love ice cream, but I'm a sucker for some cake. I mean, I really actually like cupcakes more than cake, but we'll just group them all together. So, mm. what's your, what's your go to cake then? Oh, German cake. chocolate cake. Oh, I love it. Oh. It's it's something from my childhood. I love the hell out of it. Oh, you were one of the you were one of the German chocolate kids. Yeah, I was. No one else like <laughs> everyone hated it because it has nuts and coconut and stuff. Is dude, I was carrot cake man. I mean, I was in the similar boat. Yeah, come cheesecake. to my party. Who wants carrot cake? Yeah, cheesecake is that. So I was gonna go with you. What's your what's your cake of choice there, Johnny? Is cheesecake a cake or is it a pie? I would consider that a custard, but we can we can argue that <laughs> on a different show. <laughs> I was just fucking with you. I was just fucking with you. No, be trying I was to going, be trying to yanking that chain. <laughs> no, man, uh, with the fucking red velvet, man. Ooh, red velvet. Yeah. yeah, it's my oldest brooding favorite. Yeah, mm. deep dark brooding chocolate. You guys really kind of defined yourselves in that, you know. And there's a lot to be said about that. But I won't go into that because that's a whole other show on its own. But now we're on to the savory part, right? Because the easy Therapy. part was the, the sweet. Therapy was All right. <laughs> All right. Savory. Or savory. All right. Room temperature cottage cheese or a pickled egg. Your call. What are you eating? <laughs> You're at a bar. in New Jersey. you got to eat it. Yeah. Room temperature cottage cheese. Yeah. Or a cottage pickled cheese all fucking day. And I'm talking those red, like those red yeah. pickled eggs. No, I was that throw a beat in. Yeah. Well, now you just throw you just throw a cooked beat in, and then it just (laughs) dies red. So you got a choice between the two. Nope, I want the rotten fucking cottage cheese all day. 
Yep. How you would go cottage cheese over a pickled egg? I would. You could take that cottage cheese, put it in a car on a 150 degree day, <laughs> let it cook for three days. I will eat the cottage cheese over that egg every time. Fuck yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. Strong Island. Any chance? Kind of any chance of kicking a balls could be an option because <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather take a kick in the balls than than either one of those. But well, if I'm I home. had to, because there's just something texturally about cottage cheese that I just cannot do. So I would probably have to say pickled egg at that point. But yeah, if kicking the balls was an option, I'd take that. Yeah, yeah. There's something about this, like <laughs> there was an air of cottage cheese, and I think we're on the same like growth span. You know, like we were we were probably young autoflowers around the similar time frame when cottage cheese was like the thing. For some reason, I ate it all the time, and I think it was just part of like the regular diet at, at the time. I was like, oh, I have a little cottage cheese. My mom was always like, oh, you loved cottage cheese. I'm like, yeah. And every picture of it had like peach, like canned peaches on it or canned pineapples because I needed oh, I something. I put that heavy <laughs> syrup all in there. No, no wonder. Sugar. Yeah. There was no, yep. no cottage cheese in there. So, no, I did not like cottage cheese. I, it was just something that I had to have. And I ate enough pear juice and, and chugged the rest of that can to get through eating that nasty curdled milk because that's what it was to me. So, A, no cottage cheese for me. I will go. <laughs> with a pickled egg because you could make some really good shit with some pickled eggs i mean i know it sounds gross especially if you've seen them on the on the counter of the bar but they're pretty fucking gr they're pretty gross looking but if you get down to them and if they're done right so i know you've grown beets in the past strong island but if you make it and johnny we talked <laughs> about fermented things last week on our episode if you've got a nice well-cooked perfectly hard-boiled egg and you pop it into a pickle with some beet that's been cooked and you just let it sit there and pickle it is pretty cool. You can make a really cool deviled egg out of it as well. It's it can be done well. I would take my pickled egg over cottage cheese any day. I mean, if I could fucking dress the shit up, I'm more so even going with the fucking cottage cheese. Like I could make that <laughs> cottage cheese disappear into a fucking lasagna, bro. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Good. Duly noted. Duly noted. Hell yeah. Duly noted. Duly noted. <laughs> Well, hopefully we've we've done right by Rev's questions on on this one. So, <laughs> shout outs for uh, for this one. I think I'm going to start this one off to make sure that uh, everyone had the opportunity for a big green guy uh, to take a look and see it. All the really cool shit that he's got coming on. We've got a big release coming up. Uh, the Viking Feast is coming up, and if you haven't had a chance to see what's on the menu with this one, make sure you go find it over on uh, Instagram. Um, it's an, it's an incredible lineup. I can't believe he's got all of these in in one box set. So, um, big things, big things coming with this one. So, but uh, we've got uh, uh, in this box set. Uh, I think he's got tangies as a part of one of the crosses in this one. As wedding, yeah. There's a a white widow wedding, which is one of the ones that I tested, and it's absolutely phenomenal. So, um, that's my big plug on this one. Um, go oversee it on Instagram, check him out on, um, the cultivation conversation that's coming up. Um, he's got, uh, he's going to be on there. Go look at his announcement. Cause he's got some special things coming up between their podcast, the crafting cannabis con uh, podcast and also ours. So big, exciting things, big, exciting things coming. So that's my shout out. Who else has got one for plugs or anything for this week? I ain't got shit. Duly noted, check. <laughs> I actually got two real quick because one, I 
completely fumbled the ball on uh, the podcast the other night. Um, you know, I, I gave a shout out to Joint and, and Big Sky, but one of you know anyone who I might have come listen to this who's not a normal YAG listener or familiar with this side of the community, you know, I, I want to give a shout out to Alabrihe. You know, yeah. to anyone who is not familiar with him, you know, you really need to go check out what he's doing. He's a pretty special dude. He does some really cool stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, I just, I've been a fanboy lately. So uh, I want to give a shout out to him. I also want to give a shout out. I don't know if anyone saw my stories. New Moon Grower. Um, I know the mm. Grateful the Grateful Gardener is a big fan, and he turned me on to him. Uh, this guy did a phenomenal job with my Earthbox cover, and he sent a bunch of freebies, some, some really cool pouches, and uh, just his customer service, uh, his prices, everything. So, you know, anyone out there, go check out new moon grower it's not just awesome. earth box covers that he's doing he's doing grow bags he sent me yeah. a large it looks like a probably like an eight gallon grow bag and some pouches and really nice quality stuff really good prices and his turnaround was like instant he was like i'm on it and like a day later he sent me a tracking number he's like it's in the mail <laughs> so you know yeah shout awesome. out to new moon grower what's awesome is you called out two incredible artisans and in what we're doing um they've kind of both surpassed what they they do from a craftsman perspective i think that they've really take a look at what they're doing with a line of or with an eye of design with an eye of, of form and 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 just beauty to it too so i think both great calls on those both incredible artisans so yeah holler anything for this this week I think I'm gonna have to go with Johnny, and I ain't got shit. Hey, you, you all, you all really kind of touched on the on the big players um, that are um, really influential in my life right now. It's it's BGG and Alabrihe and stuff. So I like, I'll just go along and second what everyone has Good. said. Yeah, yeah, I'll take that. I think that's fair. I think that's a fair one. And it's a, it's a sign of our community right now. Like you've got two community leaders right there that are driving things in different directions and are on the same playing field and they're collaborating constantly. Mm. Like that's the other best part about this is like, our, we don't ever have to like, you know, question between our friends. They're just awesome. Like they're, they're in the background talking more than we would even imagine. You're seeing, I mean, what's so it's a pretty big sign of respect that they're putting each other's crosses back and forth. So I just think it's pretty awesome to have him as a part of our community. So I can't wait to have him back on because he's now no longer a guest. He's just a regular that just has longer intervals in between. Right, Johnny? Uh, so we. Cool. <laughs> Olibrie. Okay. He's. Yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking about BGG. No, I love oh. that. <laughs> <laughs> well, soon enough, we'll have them both back on. Uh, can't wait to hear him. I uh, can't wait to get them back in and see their faces in here. Sorry for everyone that doesn't have the opportunity to sit around when we get to see each other on screen and bullshit like this, but we we sure do have a blast. So uh, anything else to, to kind of wrap us up for the guys uh, for the night guys. Now? I just want to say thanks, you know, thanks for having me on and I really appreciate it. And I'm glad I can finally put some faces to the names and I appreciate all you guys. Uh, you know, you guys are a wealth of knowledge and, and what you do for everyone, man. Thanks. 
Well, we appreciate you uh, digging what we do, man, and all of the people out there that are listening to us too. I know there's probably only about six more, including Rev, that's going to have to listen to this three times, but fuck him. We love him very much, but <laughs> I'm glad you had to listen all the way to the freaking end here. But uh, for everyone else out there listening, enjoy it. Uh, hopefully we've uh, been able to tickle your ears for a little while and cause enough uh, ruckus and laughter in the background and maybe, just maybe, learned a little bit as well along the way. But I appreciate your time. So, Johnny, anything else to close us out tonight with, my man? Thanks for listening, everybody. You got Peace. it. Peace. Hey, dudes. Rev here. First off, all those bullshit things they said about me were lies. I won't be responsible for such false information. And secondly, the fact that you are listening to this episode now is proof that I didn't edit it. That's an insane request. But... Unfortunately, Chief Chucklefuck and one of my best friends, Johnny Apple, started this little tradition where we give out seeds whenever we talk too nicely about one another. So, in typical Yag fashion, the first person to message Howling Buds on any platform you want, the definition of a fucking compliment, wins a choice between some seeds made by our friends. Don't be a dick, mind your own business, and go with Frog. <laughs>